I'm Coach Seb, and this is Running New Mexico. Joining me today, I have AJ Beach. He is a Sandia Prep graduate, a UNM graduate, and is an athlete performance therapist. So thank you for joining me today. Yeah, thanks so much. I'm happy to be here with you. Awesome. Well, I'm glad to have you. So, you know, my first question is, how did you get into running? Um, well, I never really wanted to run. <laughs> um, yeah, I... You know, I, I started when I was five years old with um, Albuquerque Track Club. And uh, the reason why we joined ATC was because um, my my parents went to the, the wrong meeting. They were supposed to go to uh, AAT, the Albuquerque Athletic um, Track Club or whatever. <laughs> and so, uh, and kind of the way it happened is, uh, my brother Curtis, who I think he's been on your podcast, or he's um, he has. So Curtis was doing um, baseball, and he wouldn't stop running around the bases. So they they put him in track, and then I <laughs> had to follow in his footsteps. So I kind of did it um, reluctantly because um, because my parents just put me in it. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I started. In, with ATC. And then I just, I, I didn't really develop a passion for running until I would say my junior year of high school, but yeah, I did, I did everything from turbo jab to race walk to high jump and uh, eventually into the 800 and the 1500. Wow. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, it's all, it's always interesting, you know, when you get into it because of your family, you know, it's, it's mm -hmm. not, always because like you said it's not it wasn't a passion of yours until you grew up a little bit more and so you're kind of doing this thing almost out of obligation which can make it feel yeah bad. yeah yeah i definitely like that at one point they had to um like convince me that they were going to buy me an xbox so i would run so <laughs> yeah i was really like but you know it, it was really good because it a lot of my friends in high school were kind of doing you know, they were more into partying or hanging out or doing stuff. And, and I, I always had a cross country meet and I always had a, a track meet. So I, I, I always had to go to bed early. So I, it kind of kept me out of trouble also. Yeah. Yeah. Sports in general are, are great for that. Um, what, what shifted your junior year where you said that's kind of where you found your love for it? Like what, what made that shift for you where you were like, I think I do like this. Well, I think, you know, like when I was in high school, I I made it to state in the high jump in my eighth grade and ninth grade year. And then uh, and then when I was working with Stacy Price at Sandia Prep, um, he put me in the 800. And my first 800 ever, I ran 205. And so it was kind of a, you know, a good natural start. And then um, I think that, you know, I had a, a girlfriend that year and she uh, kind of messed me up. So I, I didn't perform very well at state and I finished, I think in eighth, I think I finished last in my sophomore year. And I think just for whatever reason, my junior year, I was motivated. I had a good, uh, group of friends. I was doing well in school and, 
yeah, I just, for whatever reason, I was just a lot more motivated. I don't, I can't really remember why, but um, my junior year, I finished uh, second in the 800 at state. And I remember the guy who beat me, he got me in the last like 80 meters. And I just said, you know, I'm going to win next year. And so uh, my senior year, I won four state titles. And so, yeah, I, I kind of shifted a lot in yeah. my mindset. I just got more and more motivated. That's fantastic. You know, it's having some success can really help change your attitude. Like, oh, I, I'm good at this. <laughs> totally, totally. Oh, but man, I, I have seen many a high school kid, girl, boy, whatever, that, you know, they have a breakup and man, it just, it can mess up a season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It. I was, I, yeah, I remember going to the Albuquerque Academy meet, which is always such a huge meet if you're a high school kid. Right. And I just couldn't even run. Like I was so emotionally disrupt. And uh, I remember just like having this talk with Coach Price and he said, you know, he's like, guys usually get the short end of the stick. And so, and then, I don't know, for whatever reason that made sense to me. And I just didn't run that day, but um, I'm happy that I, I, I'd really turned it around and I'm happy that I, uh, you know, running really became my driving force for going to the University of New Mexico and running for Coach Franklin. And, um, and then that led on later on to doing a lot of the therapy work that I do with athletes now. So, you know, some of those moments, even though you kind of, you're at your lowest points, Sometimes they're so fundamental um, to to leading you into where you want to go, and uh, running's definitely been a um, an interesting thing in my life. And um, a lot of it's you know taught me how to just be with myself, and a lot of it brought me community. And you know, it, it's just that daily practice of going out there every day and warming up and taking care of your body and chasing a dream and you know, it was, it was a very, um, a really good time in my life, I would say, you know, yeah. and I was really striving for it. That's great. I want to go back a little bit, you know, when you talked about kind of making that shift and, and, you know, for whatever reason, it became kind of your own thing. Was that when you kind of first started thinking, like, obviously, you'd seen your brother go off to college, and not only do it, but do it very well yeah um but when you made that shift was that when you started thinking like oh i could do this too I, you know i i don't know i always felt curtis was on his own journey and i you know i i i loved running with him i loved um i don't know running for us wasn't really about running it was about kind of being brothers in some way um so i never really i was very proud of his ability and i was very you know, like I really appreciate all the stuff that he's done because now I have the perspective to understand it. But growing up, I didn't really care that much about it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was kind of just like, okay, Curtis is like pole vaulting in the house every day and throwing the javelin <laughs> in the backyard and wakes up at five in the morning to go to the gym. And like he was just in his own world. And so it wasn't until college where we really became close. But I don't know. I think my desire to do well, I just, I really liked pushing my body to the absolute limit. Like I really liked 
working really, really hard and just having that like intensity of like, I'm going to go to state and I'm going to like win, you know? And um, I remember in the state final of the mile, it was 90 degrees out. Everyone went out in 62 seconds and I was maybe fifth with a lap to go. And I knew I was going to win the race. Like I just, (laughs) I mean that, you know, that feeling of just like being so confident and, and um, I can't say that I was doing the best training or I had the best strategy, but I just had such passion for the act of wanting to do my best. And um, yeah, I don't know that, that shifted at some point in my life into other things, but um, it was a, it was just an intrinsic thing that was in me, you know, and it, it just felt really good to follow. That's great. I mean, it's so awesome. Like you were, like you said, I mean, you got into this because of your, your family, because of Curtis and to be able to just kind of hold it on to your own, like, Oh, that's just what he does. And to find yeah. your path. That's great. I think that can be hard for a lot of, a lot of kids to, to be able to do that without that, like, um, almost feeling like, well, I got to live up to that or I'm competing against that yeah. or, or whatever. So that's no, really, I, never, I think other people had that thought about me. You know, I think when I went to the university of New Mexico, I think they thought, Oh, AJ is going to be really talented and he's going to have all this. And that definitely wasn't the case, <laughs> but I was like the worst athlete. Um, but I, you know, for me, what was good with Curtis is he, he brought me an enormous amount of community um, and resources. And um, I was exposed to the world's most elite coaches and therapists in the world. And um, all I had to do is just, you know, like hang out with him and um, which was fun, you know? And, uh, um, and I would say the other advantage is I always got Curtis's clothes. So like, I've never bought a pair of clothes in my life, (laughs) like a few times, but like, I always like take whatever clothes he would get from Nike or from Duke or from. So I always had a a fresh pair of clothes that I was using, you know. That's Um, awesome. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of the extent of the competition between us. So, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's been really, I, I, you know, I feel bad because I, I gained a lot of skills in manual therapy and, helping athletes and treating athletes from more of a medical point of view. And I just feel like I showed up a little too late in Curtis's career for that. So for me, that's kind of the one regret is I'm like, Oh, I wish I knew this a little bit earlier. So. Well, what, what made you, I guess, want to get into that, into that realm um, and, and, and pursue that type of career, I guess. Well, I think, you know, it, it's always a bunch of things. I would say that um, as it relates to running, you know, um, I've always been a very curious and open person. And I've been, I've just seen everything in a very general way and just always looking for the deep interactions of how things work together. And, um, you know, I think that coaching is like that. Um, when you're a coach, you have to look at how the workouts are designed you have to look at the personality you have to look at the food you have to look at the family you have to see their development so coaches are people who wear a lot of different hats and uh being a really good um athlete performance therapist you have to do the same thing 
So it kind of started a little bit more with the coaching side um, as I got into the profession. But the the real driver um, for me was when um, I went to Africa when I was 16. Oh, wow. And uh, when I was in Africa and I was in Ghana and uh, everyone said, oh, you'll realize how great your life is in the U.S., all the stuff you have and all these things. And when I went there, I had the total opposite reaction. I, I felt like I was missing so much. And so I just felt like, you know, um, what is that feeling that what's that missing feeling inside of me? And a lot of it just had to do with community and people and really deep interaction. And um, so I, I was in the back of my mind, I was thinking, okay, what can I do that'll allow me to integrate myself into community. And um, it just seemed like doing physical therapy or some type of chiropractic work or some type of thing with people's bodies was the most direct way of, of gaining access to a certain type of communication and a sense of belonging that I felt like was missing from a cultural point of view. And, uh, and so running provided an amazing framework for that because people are always injured and they're always hurting themselves and right. there's a lot of work that athletes need. So um, I felt like when I was at the university of New Mexico, there was um, like a lot of my friends were injured and in the training room. And I just had such a deep desire to want to help them. And, uh, and so that's kind of when I realized that I didn't really care so much about my performance as much as the performance of other people and i i wanted to belong in sport in a different way but it took a while for me to to, to really come into that perspective it was it kind of started with these small feelings first like oh i'm missing something i want to be with people and i want to have that interaction and then it became oh i want to have the ability to like help these people and then after that ability was like just a matter of watching other practitioners and seeing the way other people do things to gain the technical ability of doing it. And so, um, and then fortunately I had Curtis in my life and he was around a lot of Olympians, high level coaches. And so, you know, it, it kind of started in that way. So, um, and, you know, and being a coach and being a therapist, you always have to be a problem solver. So it really filled with the, that sense of curiosity that I had inside of me and just wanting to figure it out, you know, like it's, it's kind of funny, you know, that desire that I had in the, in the 800 and that desire that I had running, it, it really shifted into like, okay, how do I just gain the skills to know how to help someone in the best way possible? And I think that's kind of where that energy eventually shifted into. And so, yeah, it took a while though. <laughs> well, I'm sure. I mean, there's, and when you're, when you're getting good at something and you go to that level of college, you know, that expectation of like, I'm going to continue to grow. I'm going to continue to get better. And yeah, it it's hard to make that shift when, when you have to, you know, I think for, yeah. for lots of different levels, even the, even the people who do go pro, like, eventually they've got to make that shift into other areas and, and that can be a a difficult thing to do when this has been what you've done for you know years <laughs> yeah i mean and and i i really had to deal with that a lot my freshman year in college um 
I remember in, I was in a class and we had to write a goodbye letter to someone. And at that time I was thinking of quitting track because I was, I had, I had a, an injury and I wasn't getting better. And I just, you know, I just, I wasn't perform. I wasn't performing at the level I wanted to. And um, I remember writing a goodbye letter to track and to running. And I remember I was crying because it was just so <laughs> emotional. And, um, you know, that's when I, I remember I, I was, um, I think after that I started meditating a little bit because at that time I was doing some yoga and I remember um, I was trying to be so silent in my, in my brain. And all I could think of was one person. And the person I was thinking of was Shakri, the, the <laughs> Eldorado coach. And I was like, why am I thinking about this guy? Like, why am I thinking about this person? And, you know, and then I had this thought, oh, well, maybe I'm supposed to think of, of this person. And I remember I had this crazy feeling in my heart, like, the, like something was right. And so I think I, I wouldn't stop calling him after that. And <laughs> finally, I got a hold of him. And, and uh, yeah, he, you know, he decided to meet me and we went for a 20 minute run. And, and I remember him just saying, like, I told him kind of what happened to me at the university. And he's like, oh, he's like, he's like, oh, he's like, he's like, they did the wrong thing. They did the wrong thing. He's like, a, he's like, AJ, you have to believe in yourself. You have to believe you're an amazing athlete. You have to believe that you, that, that, you know, and he just wouldn't stop telling me to believe in myself. And, you know, that really changed me a lot. And, and at the time I had the knee injury and, and I saw the doctor, I saw all these different people and none of it helped. And, um, and finally I just, um, you know, I saw a traditional healer and she said, oh, your knee is has the feeling of doom like when you feel like there's doom and so i thought okay that's kind of interesting so part of my training with shockery is i had to run with the high schoolers right and uh i remember i'm like oh i'm a college athlete why am i running with these kids and i just had so much fun like i had so much fun running with the el dorado high school team and uh, i remember jesse hicks um running uh, with her and this girl was like I think she was a sophomore maybe she was a sophomore in high school or junior year and she was beating me like bad <laughs> and I was like oh my gosh and so you know uh, Shakri really gave me a lot in terms of kind of that motivation and really building up my confidence and um, you know that was a really big step also um, and you know he really gave me kind of a a sense of strength around my mental fortitude and uh and you know and he was exposed to a lot of elite athletes as well and so right. um at some point i ran into the french like uh some french olympic medalist and um uh, his name was Maya Dean mckessey and uh he was a three yeah three-time olympic medalist for france and um wow. I remember he was asking for some help with therapy. And at that time I, you know, I was um, starting to learn some of the therapy stuff and I said, Oh, okay, I'll help you. And that's kind of how it started. I started with this three-time Olympic medalist from <laughs> France and, um, and it started with three French athletes and then it became eight French athletes. And, you know, I was trying to run and train and, you know, I was working with, uh, 
uh, Edna Kurgod and Mini Kaladi and uh, at the university. And I was working with all these people who are like winning nationals and the Olympics and all these things. And I, and they were looking for me for help. And I just felt like, you know, like I love running and I, I it's something that's so special in my life, but I'm not going to be a professional athlete. Like it, it's just not like I'm, I'm too busy. I'm helping too many people and I'm not really excited about my own running, but um, I feel like I can do a lot for like elite level athletes. And I feel like I can do a lot for people. And so that was kind of when that shift started for me was okay. Like I'm, I don't think I'll be the best in terms of as a runner, but I can, I can put my mind and my skill set and the, that drive that I had in running into another form. And so it was, it was kind of a nice transition for me actually. And I, I felt like that was really the beginning of my career um, was that running was kind of preparing me for that. Right. So, wow. Yeah. I want to go back for just a second because if, anybody who's listening to this and they don't know Shakri, like, <laughs> yeah, I, I can, everything you said, I can, I can hear him saying, cause he's just, he's so energetic. He's so positive <laughs> the way that he, he pushes his athletes, you know, to, to just believe is just, he is, totally. you know, one of the best out there at doing that. It is fantastic to watch him. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, and he, he really, and you know, it's funny because in the beginning, you just copy people, you know, you, you right. copy the people who, who taught you things. And I remember being around very high level athletes and, you know, I would just tell them like, Hey, you're so amazing. You're great. You're, and, uh, and so many of them were just so surprised because they didn't get that from their coaches, like very high level coaches that take them to the Olympics and get medals. And they didn't even know how to like, feel good about themselves and like and all I said was just like wow like what you're doing is so incredible whoa that like you know just being like very excited about little things and right. really building up their confidence and 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 not really joking around about it like being really like honest and saying like wow like what you are doing is 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 great and like you know you just keep going and you know that that kind of thing he, he was he taught me a lot about that about being very positive and right. you know um, always being very positive always looking for good things always you know um and so yeah i mean he he's i i always think about him because you know i've i've been with coach dan paff and jeremy fisher and i've you know gone to a lot of different international competitions and i just don't see a lot of people like shocker you know like yeah. people who who just really love helping people and, and within a, within their soul, you know, and it's not about, you know, looking at the result the person's going to get or how well they're going to perform at conference or state or districts or, you know, um, it's not about, you know, Shakri always told me, he said, like, you don't support someone when they're at the top, you always support them when they're at the bottom. And so like, I, you know, I just felt so um, happy, like, um, working with like high school kids and just, and I remember one time I had a high school kid who said, like, he's like, you know, I think, um, he's like, I think that I, I don't want to really work at Taco Bell anymore. And I want to go to community college. 
And a lot of that was inspired because of just saying like, Hey, you're a good runner, man. Like you can do this. Like you can, I mean, just like you could really change someone's life. And so that kind of became a, and I think it's, it's always a good reminder to go back to that place um, of like being positive. And even when I don't know, even when I have a big problem in front of me or even when I feel stressed out or even it's like, you know, being positive so big um, and you never know what someone's going through. So, you know, just having that little bit of light can take someone out of some really dark places. Right. Absolutely. Um, so I want to, you know, talk a little bit about your journey. You know, we've talked a little bit, you helped out my own daughter when she was dealing mm-hmm. with a, with a hip issue um, and it bothered her for, for a while. And so really appreciative of that, but you kind of talked about some of the, some of your journey. And so it's, you talk about like putting your, your energy into learning stuff and like, yeah, really learned a lot of, of different things. And you've kind of touched a little bit about talking with, you know, the whole body of, yeah. of everything. So take me, take us on a, on, on your journey of how you got to kind of where you are now, as far as, you know, working with, with body and how it connects with the mind and all that. Cause I, I, I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I think, you know, I think I've kind of been talking about it a little bit. I, right. you know, I think going to Africa was the beginning and, um, getting my own body fixed, um, that provided tons of information. Um, I remember, you know, the first practitioner I really started working with was a guy named Jay Young. And uh, Jay's a good friend of Mubarak and Shakri, and he was a Korean um, marathon runner. And I think he was the national record holder. Um, but I remember him just putting me in front of a mirror and just saying like, okay, does your body look balanced? <laughs> and I was like all <laughs> crooked and all, and you know, and he would just get on a chair and get on the table and walk on my back and crack my neck. And then you know, give me this crazy massage stuff. And he'd really just try to understand my problem. And then at the end of the session, he would make me pancakes and stuff. And <laughs> that was kind of like, you know, that was kind of my intro. And and then, you know, I started hanging out with people like Bo Hightower, who was a, a chiropractor who works a lot of MMA fighters. And then I started, um, you know, and then with Curtis, I was exposed to Dan Path and a lot of very high level uh, therapists at, um, at Altus, um, a, a kind right. of a world-class training center. And at Altus, they have massage therapists and chiropractors and acupuncturists and all sorts of different people. And, um, but I just felt like, you know, like I'm not finding the thing that's really calling my spirit yet. Like I haven't found the, the technique or the style of treatment that I want to do. And so finally one day this guy shows up to the track and, um, he was this uh, guy from Australia and slash Cambodia. And I remember him just treating this huge discus thrower on the ground. And he was doing all of these like very gentle, but precise techniques. And he was integrating it with movement. And he was just so like soft and supple and artistic. And I just had the sensation that it was like light shining through a window. I was like, that's what I want to do. Like, I have no idea what that's called, but that's it. Yeah. And it just seemed like he had such a a beautiful perspective of treating the body. So, 
that guy's name was Melvin Tan. And, um, and so I just wouldn't stop following that guy around like a puppy. So like, <laughs> I just, I would, he lived in California, so I would bring him athletes and I would go visit him. And I just bothered him so much until he gave me the information I wanted. And I would watch his therapy sessions. I would take pictures. I would write notes. I would look at all the books in his bookshelf and I would try researching, okay, where it all came from. And um, so he was a, an acupuncturist actually, but oh, wow. the style that he practiced was a form of osteopathy. And uh, osteopathy in the United States is like being a medical doctor. So you, um, if you see an osteopath, they can give you drugs, they can give you surgery, they can do anything that a, a normal MD or medical doctor can do. Wow. But the osteopaths, their history is very fascinating because it started about 125 years ago. And the idea of the osteopath was that, that God's creation is perfect and that by looking at the anatomy and the structure of the body, we, you could figure out how to fix it from that perspective. And E.T. Still, the one that started the practice, he, he felt that um, he was just tired of giving people like opium and alcohol to like fix their problems. Um, he was a medical doctor. So he, you know, he kind of <clears throat> was um, a bit of a rebel and he was into like bone setting, which is like a traditional form of chiropractic. And he was into magnetic healing, which came out of France. And he was really clairvoyant and energetic and studied anatomy and very um, into the natural world. And so he, the way he started was that he had a boy who had dysentery, which is like uh, a bad form of diarrhea. And a, a lot of children died during that time right. of dysentery. And so he, he saw this child and he, he took this child from the, the mother's arms and he, he just wanted to help the kids so badly that he started um, just evaluating and noticing that there was temperature changes and certain tissue was really restricted. And so he manipulated his spine and the boy was like, came back to health and was like totally fine and like survived. Wow. And then there was like 20 kids in the village and he just treated all of them like that. So his perspective was like, if you have a medical problem, like, I can treat certain parts of the spine. I can treat certain organs. I can treat these things with my hands and that you could find some type of result out of it um, in a natural way. And um, uh, unfortunately, uh, from what I hear from a lot of the osteopaths is that it, it became a lot more medicalized over the, the, the decades following that. Mm -hmm. But in Europe, that, that tradition stayed together so if you go to europe an osteopath is more like a chiropractor pt um massage therapist they kind of mix all of those skills together okay and uh, that's kind of the history of what i do comes from um i can't say that i'm an osteopath but i really spent a lot of time learning the philosophy and the approach that that those practitioners use right and just kind of a hidden thing in the United States. Um, so that's kind of what Melvin was doing is he was performing a, a, a French style of osteopathic treatment. And when I met him, he, 
I remember he was watching me work on an athlete and he's like, AJ, your heart's in a good place, but your technique really sucks. <laughs> he's like, you got to go learn from like someone. And so that kind of started my journey studying with very like kind of master guru teachers. And so I started studying with a guy named Jean-Pierre Barral and Guy Voyer. And then I kind of found some more esoteric teachers. Um, there was a guy by the name of Etienne Pierceman who inspired me a lot. And so it, it took a while, but I, I kind of got the mechanical knowledge of treating the body from like Dan and Guy and then I kind of got more of the artistic style from Baral and then kind of the more spiritual side from my teacher, Etienne. And it, that took a while. But um, and then the real lesson comes from the people you treat, you know, so it's it's all the, the athletes I worked with. It's it's with working with um, animals and disabled kids. And, um, you know, during COVID, I I couldn't really work on people. So I treated I have a. Uh, I had four golden retrievers at the house. So each dog got a day of treatment <laughs> and then, and then I had a cat. So he, he had a treatment and then there was, if I didn't have them, then I would treat the plants. <laughs> I would just find something to put my hands on. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. And so I, um, that's kind of how the, a, a bit of my journey, um, from an educational point of view. Right. At least. Well, yeah. man, it is cool. Like watching, you know, following your Instagram and, and seeing you, you know, work on different people and, and even animals. Like it's, it's so cool to, you know, I've seen you put posts on there working with, you know, athletes. And then, you know, a week later you're working with an elderly person doing something yeah. and like you're, you know, you're, you're so broad, you know, there's a lot of people like, uh, you know, that might focus in on like just athletics or just elderly, you know, in one yeah. specific thing. But I, I love seeing like how you diversify and are trying to kind of, again, like almost learn it all. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's, that's part of the philosophy is being a generalist and, and appreciating complexity. And I think that, um, you know, I remember coach Dan saying, if, he had someone who wanted to learn the hundred meters. He used to take them to watch the hammer throw. And, um, and the reason why he did that is because he wanted them to understand biomechanics. And a lot of these things are just principle based that you, once you understand how the sacrum moves or how this organ functions or how, you know, how the, the physiology and the anatomy and the, and the spirit are connected, then then it's, you know, for me, it's like, why just treat athletes, you know? Um, I remember uh, being around one of my teachers along Kerbier. Um, I wanted him to work with my French athletes. And I said, oh, Alain, do you ever work with uh, the, uh, do you ever work with the Olympic French athletes? He said, oh, no, I don't like to work with the athletes. They're so arrogant. It's like, uh, <laughs> I like to help uh, sick people. And that comment really changed me a lot. And I think at the time I was very invested in learning how to belong to running and being at a high level and, and more of a feeling of like, I want people to notice me. And so I was trying to go to all the track meets. I was trying to work with the elite athletes. I was trying to, and I just realized like, I love working with athletes, but I like working with my grandma more, you know, yeah. <laughs> I like, I like working with, um, 
you know, I, I like working with children a lot. I like working with um, anyone. You know, I just I just became in love with the craft, and I got so I got so lost in the craft. And um, but for me, sports is more the thing that I do for fun, and it's the thing that it comes out of joy. And it's and I love working with people who wouldn't normally get the work. So like, um, I love working with jumpers. I love working with throwers. I love. Um, you know, just people who wouldn't be able to find the, the type of therapy that I do because the people that um, do the work that I do, who study with the teachers that I study with, they they work with the best of the best, you know, and, um, you know, and sometimes they work with high school kids or other people. And but I just felt like, you know, what, I want to be able to provide what I know to everyone. You know, I don't um, I have a I have a really big place in my heart for sport, but it's, it's, um, it's just a part of, of my heart. It's not everything, you know? Right. Um, yeah. So it's, um, but I, I love working with athletes a lot. Um, it's, and it's really different. Like I can tell who an Olympic medalist is versus an Olympian versus a professional athlete versus someone who's just trying to make it, you know, like, um, you know, I've worked with like people like Emmanuel Career, who won the Olympic gold medal. I've worked with, um, you know, state champions. I've worked with, um, and and it's just amazing to see how the psychological and all the different components that go into like even getting those types of performances. Right. So a big part of my job is also navigating someone to that level, if if that's what they're capable of. You know. Um, yeah, I have a, I can share a story. Um, yeah. I had a girl I worked with and uh, <clears throat> she had a, you know, she didn't have a lot of money. She was pretty broke and uh, coach Dan Paff recommended her to me. And she was a, a, she did skeleton, which is kind of like bobsled, but you go down head first. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, she had some big issues and she had, I think, 12 major surgeries. She had concussion. She had a lot of stuff. And wow. she showed up and like, I wanted her to do an A skip, like a normal, just like, you know, normal skip. And she's like, Oh, that's what young people do. And like, <laughs> I was like, come on. It's like the most basic. I was so frustrated with her. And, um, but it's so much of it had to do with these, this traumatic brain injury that she had suffered with. And, and I think after the second time working with her, she said, um, you know, like I, I haven't slept this, I haven't slept eight hours in years without taking medication. <clears throat> and that was kind of like one of the results that, that I got with her was that, and then that ev eventually became her being able to do the exercises without feeling worried about it. And then when she kind of left the session, we just, you know, I'm a distance runner. I don't know a lot about right. skeleton. So but she's like, okay, well, you got to coach me now. And I was like, all right. So I started writing her programs with the help of coach Dan and Melvin. And, and, you know, she, the first year I worked with her, she could only get on a bike and work out on the bike. And she would only do her competitions. Like that's the only time she would run. And that first year she finished, I think top three in the country. And then the next year she was able to run and, uh, and then she eventually got a uh, U.S. champion, and then she made the I think World Championships, 
And then um, she did well enough and she made the Olympics and then she finished top six in the Olympics in her event. And a lot of that, you know, she was ready to retire. She was ready to give up. And that, you know, for me, she was the perfect example of someone who like really benefited from the therapy, the intervention really did a good job. And then she had a lot of buy-in and she used me and other people as a team and she, yeah, she made it work and she, you know, it wasn't perfect. Um, there's a lot of things that happen with the Federation. There's things that happen in life. There's things right. that, but she was able to manage all of those things super well. And she was able to, to make it work to the point where she got a medal or not a medal, but a, you know, top six performance. Mm-hmm. She put herself in a position to get a medal, which for me is what I was proud of, you know? Yeah. So, you know, there's, I love stories like that. No, that's yeah. fantastic. That's amazing. And again, shows your commitment to learning, you know, something else to help someone you're working with. Um, and I just love, you know, that idea of, of wanting to help everybody. And I, I love that you still, um, cause I know you st- you're still, you still have, you know, some, spend some time here in Albuquerque, but you mm-hmm. travel all over the place. But I love that when you are here, that you are, you know, you have people that you see and you're still, you know, this person who's sought out, you know, by many different people, as you've talked about, but you're still here, you know, giving back to New Mexico and, and helping people again, like, you know, my own daughter who she wasn't a state champion or anything. She just wanted to be able to compete to the best of her abilities. And that's yeah, just I mean, great. Yeah. And, you know, for me, the most important thing is that she loves running and she loves sport and that, you know, it's a big part of her life. And for me, I really have to respect that. You know, I have to, I don't always think sport's the healthiest thing for people, but <laughs> you know, I do the treatment for sport and I do the treatment for life. And I, and I really love that. Um, if someone has a dream, then I, I have to be someone that's able to facilitate that for them. And, uh, that, that was something I learned from brother O'Connell in Kenya. Cause I spent quite a bit of time in Kenya with those athletes as well. And, uh, I remember when he was talking about David Rudisha and coaching these very high level um, Kenyan runners, he just said, you know, like I, I'm not about um, helping athletes like get medals. He's like, I just want to facilitate their dreams. <laughs> and so I kind of stole that. And so I, I feel like, you know, for me, it's um, like, I have people who who have lost their hearing who want to hear again and they want to play right. music. And my goal is like, okay, like, can I get them to the place where they can enjoy music again? And um, I have some people who, yeah, they just want to do very basic things. And like those little tiny things can really bring so much joy in someone's life. And, um, and so, yeah, for me, it, it doesn't matter if, you know, I, you know, I love working with Olympians and people who have that opportunity, but um, their treatments is not different than, you know, what I'm getting for your daughter or anyone else, right. you know? Um, yeah, it's, it's a, yeah, it's just a lot of fun, you know? Well, that's, and that's what I, you know, in this conversation and the conversations we've had before, like, that's what I get that you're just, you really enjoy what you're doing. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you're still, you know, you've moved on kind of from this, you know, competing yourself but you are still helping other people compete and and do other things in life and it and that the joy that it's bringing you is just 
it's it's cool to see. I love seeing people again, whether it's running or something else. Like if they're into something and it's bringing them joy, and this is definitely bringing you joy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And I, I really, yeah, I, I I feel grateful that I found something that provides so much purpose in my life. And I just, yeah, I kind of feel like, oh, I hit a big, like, um, like jackpot, you know, like I kind of figured out something that takes people a long time to figure out in life. And so for me, it's just about, okay, how do I build experience? How do I, you know, how do I gain better abilities and skills to, to do a better job and, um, and that kind of thing. So I'm, you know, and just build my life out of it and, um, but then, you know, also appreciating that it's not everything, you know, I think I've had the tendency of being like, you know, I, I've gone days where, um, like the other week, um, I worked on like the week of the great Southwest. I worked on nine athletes that day. I started at 7am and I finished at nine or 10pm, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and it's just to, I can do things like that, but it's also like, okay, I need to go and run with my dog, Mia, you know, I need to go take care of my body. I need to enjoy other things in life. I need to, um, I need to be with myself also. And, uh, and, and kind of find that, that sense of, um, the, the, the beauty of solitude within my own experience. And, and I think that running gave me that early on. And so I, I have to remember like, okay, I still need to run. I still need to, to find, <laughs> You know, that's why I love um, like running medicine and Dr. Flegg and those people, because it's like doing a prayer run. You know, like right. I love that those ideas of the indigenous practices around um, around using the physical body. And so I'm, I'm actually really uh, kind of trying to figure that part out now for myself and trying to incorporate that. Um, it I would say that that was really hard leaving running because you know, I just think of like, okay, I need this competition. I need to get this right. date. I need to get this time. And I, it's just everything. And you just push yourself so hard to that point where, um, you know, it, it's actually like, I'm trying to figure out how to just enjoy it for like itself, the thing within itself. And, uh, and it's, that's really difficult because I'm, yes. I'm always thinking, okay, how do I be my, how do I do my best? How do I do this? And, and, and the, the thing that you need to do for your life in order to be healthy is a very different training program and a very different approach than, than, you know, trying to be ready for a single day at a single right. moment, a single time. So, yeah. So that's uh, it's not always easy. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that's actually what I was just going to ask you. Is that going to ask you what your relationship to running is now? <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, you know, I recently I, I had, um, you know, I mean, I think just going through life and going through different things. And, um, you know, I had, I would say, like, a, quite a bit of stress, like on my heart, you know, from working with, um, you know, like, a, you know, my, my grandma, she has uh, cancer and working with her, it's really affected me. And I think working with, um, you know, just different people and going through, you know, my own spiritual growth is, is kind of made me vulnerable. And so, um, I had a treatment with, with one of my teachers and, um, and I had a treatment from a lot of different practitioners and they just said, Hey, like your heart is like really, um, tight. <laughs> it's really like, it really needs a lot of work. 
And, um, and so, you know, the best thing that I could do for that is aerobic running, you know, like going on a 45 minute run, going on a 90 minute run, like those are the best things you can do for your heart. And so I'm, you know, my goal now is just to make sure that I do, you know, 45 to 90 minutes of aerobic activity a day. And, um, and a lot of it's just to make sure I'm healthy, you know, um, I remember coach Dan at the end of practice, every practice, he would just jog around like at walking pace and just go around the track for 15 minutes, one direction, and then 15 minutes, the other direction. And so, um, my goal is like actually very, very simple now. (laughs) It's just like, okay, can I just do 45 minutes of like general running and, um, you know, I have all the workouts in my mind, but I really try to, <laughs> to, to keep it. Oh, I try to stay away from that. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great. Though. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of the things I think a lot of coaches at the high school level try to try to push. Like, you know, if you don't, you know, if you're not going to do this in college, you're not going to do that, you know, you're not going to be that. That's fine. But no, this is a way to keep yourself healthy, to keep yourself mentally totally just happy <laughs> to just totally. and do a little bit totally yeah and it's like it's just it's awesome absolutely yeah yeah there's there's nothing like it um yeah i don't know it's it, and i think you know being in kenya it was also very inspiring to see that too like there's just so much of that in their culture you know people are always moving they're always like i remember just i would love to go to school with little kids and the little kids would just they'd run and then they would jump over a puddle and run under the fence and fight with their friends. And then they would, <laughs> you know, you know, and sometimes you're running there and there's a bunch of cows that block the road. So you have to run around the cows. And it's just stuff like that, you know, like, you know, I think for me, it's finding it in that way now, you know, like none of them ever think about running as a way of, um, you know, they, in the beginning for a lot of Kenyans, it's just something that's so fun, right? you know, and something that you grow up with in your childhood and you never think about. So that's kind of, I just want it to be very natural now. Yeah. Um, it also really helps when I need to like run to like an airplane or like to a train. Or to, <laughs> I use running actually more in that way now than anything else <laughs> when I need to like, when I'm in a rush somewhere. So yeah <laughs> it does help to be able to know that you can get someplace quickly if if you need to <laughs> totally, yeah i i definitely take advantage of that all the time <laughs> oh all right well this has been a lot of fun um you know we know we have a little bit of a time constraint so i want to yeah um you know, respect your time, but this has been a lot of fun and I'm, I'm sure we can find a time to get you back on again at some point. Oh yeah. Well, I love your podcast and I love what you're doing and it's just, it's really nice to keep, you know, just to show how, how uh, amazing running is in New Mexico, you know, and it's like, we, we come from a Mecca of running, you know, and uh, I mean, just to have all the high school kids on and the professionals and, you know, the coaches and, it's really nice to put that whole community of people together. And um, I feel really, really privileged to be here and to, you know, have someone perhaps listen to me on the other end of it. And um, I, I just hope that something in my story and 
something in my words was able to touch someone. Um, and so, Absolutely. yeah. And um, yeah, I love to, I love to just always appreciate all the amazing journeys that people have. And so yeah. I really am grateful that you do that. And it's, um, well, thank you. Yeah. It's really, it's really awesome. I appreciate that. And uh, I do have one more question for you. And uh-huh. it is just, you know, I always like to end with music. So, you know, what do you listen to when you're getting ready to either get out there and go for an easy run or, or maybe get yourself in the right motivation to, you know, meet with your clients for the day? Um, uh, you know, I always, I always leave it up to my clients, actually. I always ask them what they like listening to. So sometimes it's death metal, sometimes <laughs> it's jazz, sometimes it's um, weird techno music you never even imagine. Oh my gosh. Um, but, uh, you know, I, you know, actually for me, I love, um, African music a lot. I really, there's something about the positivity in it that I just really enjoy. So, um, I I don't usually listen to music when I run. I, I'm actually more of a podcast person. So nice. um, I'd probably listen to your podcast. So that's what I would (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) when I go for a run. So, that's really actually what I do is I, I'd probably listen to your podcast. So. I appreciate that. Yeah, I go, I go back and forth. I'll do some music sometimes and some podcasts just depends on the mood I'm in. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I love, um, his, well, Oliver Tuku something. I don't remember his name, but there's a song called, uh, um, oh, what's it called? Uh, I don't remember now. Sorry. So, no, no, that's all right. That's all right. Yeah. Well, again, I really appreciate your time and thank you. And, you know, is there anything else you'd like to say before I let you go? Um, yeah, you know, I think if, if anyone's ever interested in seeing me and working with me, um, my website's ajbeach.earth. Um, and uh, and uh, yeah, you're, you're always welcome to just text or call or uh, even if it's just to ask a question or if there's someone someplace in the world that you need help with. I probably know someone. So I have a lot of friends. So um, if anyone's ever interested, I'm happy to help. And I, and usually I'm, I work on a sliding scale. So I, I'm, I'm always trying to lose money when I work. So, yeah. So I'm always happy to, to be around. So yeah. Thanks for having me. I'd once again like to thank my guest for their time and thank you for tuning in. If you have the opportunity, please rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts or just help spread the word. Music was provided by Philip Friedman. You can follow him on SoundCloud at DJ Teach. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at RunningNM. Feel free to drop me a line or shoot me an email at runningnewmexico.com at gmail.com if you have any questions or know of someone who should be interviewed. In the meantime, keep running, New Mexico.